What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Yo, what up? We back with another episode. Episode 16. It feels like we just started, man. Been doing this since April. It's been five months, but whew, man, time flies. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. I really appreciate it. You guys can catch me on Twitter at It's Ant Right. You can also catch me, uh, catch my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Chatbox. I mean, I'm on pretty much every single app out there in terms of where to find my podcast if you guys have a have a podcast where you can't find my channel uh let me know so i can do my due diligence in making sure that i get my pod on there as well too for you guys um as you guys know i do have a partnership and i have an affiliated link with SeatGeek. so if you guys want to go ahead and download SeatGeek, that would be great the first purchase that you make on that app you get $20 off. So the first purchase, you get $20 off. That goes to any events, concerts, games, anything like that. We're in the season of basketball coming up. We have NBA coming up. We have college hoops coming up. We have, you know, you know MLB playoffs. We have, uh, we still have NCAA football games coming up. You could use my promo code. Promo code is AntWright, A-N-T-W-R-I-G-H-T. So, Download the app. You get your first purchase, $20 off. I'm all about saving you guys money. $20 isn't a lot, but $20 can go a long way towards something else. Um, I'm just going to get right into it here. So I had, I had several tweets, several tweets lined up um, for James Yoder. There was... A lot of speculation about Zach Charbonnet and him being hurt and him being injured um, and him not traveling, possibly, or being out. Um, I'll say this much. Um, if I saw that Charbonnet was healthy and he was getting his and he was going to work and all these things, I would have called out James because I would have said, James, hey, like, I'm not going to say that I'm going to sit here and say that, like, People think that I am a James Yoder backer. You have to know that I am a free thinker. I kind of do whatever. Nobody is immune to be getting called out. Nobody is also not immune for me to stand up for them. If I see that there's a lynch mob going at someone for no apparent reason. The reason I say that is because when Yoder tweeted... That Charbonnet was hurt or something was going on. Everyone was on his head. Then you had people at the Michigan football office tweeting out stuff, talking about Charbonnet's walking around, blah, 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 and all this. Then they were going at Yoder like crazy, like crazy. My reaction to that is um, you can't have it both ways. You can't attack this man for coming out with something that you don't even know that is true or not. But then when it comes out to be true, don't be tight-lipped. Like, don't be tight-lipped. Like, like 
reach out and say, hey, my bad, I screwed up. Because people were tight-lipped. And then on top of that, on top of that, they always accuse him of stealing the information. <clears throat> that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. You can't go at someone about the information they're talking about. And then when it comes out to be true, you can't go back at that person and say, well, you stole it. That, you know, that doesn't, that, that's a lynch mom mentality that, you know, you're, you're being a sheep. Stop. Think for yourself. Here are my thoughts on Yoder. Okay. Here are my thoughts. My thoughts are, um, he can be a bit of a narcissist. I think he would pretty much admit that too. If you were to ask him straight up, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he would straight up admit that he could be a bit of a narcissist. Um, and I think that rubs people the wrong way. Um, I don't agree with some of the way some of the you know, some of the ways that he goes about his business. Um, I don't like how he name calls people that he you know, that he doesn't really have a relationship with. Um, like the way that he talks about certain people and the the language he uses and the way that he goes at certain people, that's just not, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And um, I know James is probably going to listen to this at some point. Um, just know that he is, he interrupts the status quo. Like that's just, that's just what he does. He brings a bit of chaos um, that's why you see, I always take a step back and I stay in the gray area. Not everything can be black and white. Um, there's a lot of things that he does that I don't agree with. There are things where I'm just like, you know what? That's just, you know, not cool. Like, you know, why are you calling him names? You know, why are you calling someone out for no reason? They're just doing their, doing their job. On the other hand, I can see where that, some of that frustration comes from when he is continuously attacked, whether it's from the media or whether it's from fans, but he hasn't really stopped being who he is. So that part, I can, that part I like about him is the fact that he's doing a bunch of stuff, but at the same time, he is, he's not really changing who he is. He knows he could come off like, um, you know, a vital. What Vital is, you know, what's Vital's first name? You know, he he knows what he's doing. He's ruffling people's feathers. I may not like the way that he comes off, but he's not changing for anyone. Um, next thing, I do think that he probably has a either a burner or he has people that goes on to rivals or Michigan Insider or 247 or something and then, you know, gives him some type of feedback or he goes on there himself with a a blank, you know, a, a, a burner username and goes in there. Um, he could get some information. At the same time, I also think he does have legit sources, whether it's someone really close to the football team or someone who's close enough to the football team to know what's going on. Uh, you can't really refute that, honestly. If you if you look at the ways that he's broken things, the dude has he 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 has people. He has people. You know, he does have legit sources. Um, 
I think he takes it a step or two too far when he takes the information and the intel that he does get and then he stretches it out to tries to make like this home run take um cuz then it's cuz then people are like, "Whoa, this is what you said. like some some of these things he 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 doesn't even have to say. Just like Zach Charbonnet, if he had just come out and said, "Hey, Zach Charbonnet got injured. He will probably be limited in the game coming up." He would have broken a lot of things, but he didn't do that. He he took it a couple steps further and he went and said, "Hey, um Zach Charbonnet, I saw the screenshot. He may have del- he may have deleted it, but there was a screenshot showing that he said Zach Charbonnet will probably be out uh, by the Notre Dame game. Um, when he really didn't need to, he didn't need to do that. But I think he tries to make that home run take when he doesn't really need to. He's trying to like wow everyone with this crazy take and hope that it sticks. Um, but it was very clear Charbonnet was hurt. He comes in with 4.6 yards a carry, um, 41, 41 carries on the year for 190 yards. He gets two carries, one in the second quarter, one in the third quarter um, for six yards. No, dude was hurt. Dude was hurt. He was in for pass blocking. People say, well, if he's hurt, why is he in for pass block? Like maybe, maybe with his injury, maybe pass blocking doesn't really hurt him. Maybe he's hurt when it's more lateral movements. Who knows? Maybe he can have adjust his body in a certain way where he can make blocks without you know further aggravating whatever is wrong with him. There was he was clearly hurt. And then when I mentioned he was hurt, people are like, "Duh!" I'm like, "What? What do you mean, duh?" Someone else said, "Let it go." I'm like, "What do you mean, let it go? You didn't let it go this whole past week when you were on this dude's head about all this information coming out." So that's my thing with Yoda. That's why I'm always in the gray area. At times, he deserves to get called out. I've called him out on Twitter before. And other times, he, like, he, he's, he breaks something that nobody reports on. I mean, and he has the, I mean, I'll say it. I've said it once, I'll say it again. He has the, he has the program shook right now because I don't even think they know where they're getting information, where he's getting his information from. If you really think about it, I mean, like, like, remember, remember this, remember this, um, remember when he came out and said that, you know, Oliver Martin's going to leave and then people were like, oh, Yoder's wrong, blah, 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 Yoder's wrong. And then, and then Gaddis or the football Twitter tweeted a picture of Oliver at like B dubs with all the team. And then everyone just starts going off on Yoda, like, hi, Yoder's, Yoder's wrong again. Oliver's with the team, da da da. And then dude left. <laughs> then he transferred and nobody said anything. The only people who said stuff was on Yoder's head talking about he stole the information. You can't have it, you cannot have it both ways. Don't be that person. You may not like him because of the way that because of the way that he comes off and the way that he comes off will rub people the wrong way. It's 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 going to rub people the wrong way. 
And that's just how it is. He's not going to change. It's, it's like you're either going to take it or leave it. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys are... I have people from all political backgrounds who follow me, whether you are a Republican, Democrat, moderate. Like, he comes off a bit like Trump. So Trump is who he is. Um, his The way that he's brash, he's a bit callous in his some of his messages. If you are against him, he'll let you know about it. Um, he will be on your head. So... The only reason I'm I'm taking a seg this segment for towards Yoder is because I've had direct messages and I've had tweets at me asking me, you know, should they follow what Yoder's saying? Should they subscribe to his stuff? Um I'm this is my answer to you guys. That is my answer. I can't tell you what to do. Um but just expect expect a lot of chaotic things to go around whatever he says um some things he say is legit some things are out of left field um you know just you know looking back on the past couple years you know he was one of the first ones to break the Shea Patterson to Michigan transfer transfer um one of the first ones people are are gonna say no 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 you need to look up the the timestamps it's out there um, the Kareem Walker stuff. Um, when the when he broke the Grant Newsom story, um, I thought personally that was a little bit in bad taste um, about the way that he did it because I think that you know a lot of fans kind of knew, but when he came out and said it, the way he came out and said it, then Newsom came in and said a, said a few things. I think that hurt a lot of people's feelings. But this goes back to Yoda doesn't care about feelings. He just cares about what's going on and what's happening. So if you want to follow what Yoder says, if you want to follow, you know, and subscribe to Yoder's stuff, just know that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a bit of chaos. You're going to get, you know, at times there's a little bit of truth in there, but it's been a little bit of like a home run take. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the stuff that he has said, it comes out to be true, whether you like it or not. He has been wrong a couple times. Um, he has been wrong a couple times, but at the same, but at the same time, I mean, he's, you know, he's given information uh, where Tariq Black was hurt at practice. I'm not sure if that was him or if that was. Um, I believe I saw it because I had someone tell me. And then I had someone get it from uh, one of the sites. Not sure where he fell in that, but he was in that mix. He was also in the mix of uh, Harbaugh in interviewing OCs and you know t- telling Pep to look for a new job. Remember the Khalil Branham dude? I mean, he told him that he was going to leave, and Branham shot that down, and he left and committed to Kentucky, just like Yoder said. Um, you know, Washington heading to Ohio State, um, you know, and then the Oliver Martin stuff and then the Zach Charbonnet. I mean, if you if you want, a, if you want, like, you know, he is the, like, I don't know what the, the left-wing version of Brett Bart is, but 
without calling him Brett Bart, but he is like the Brett Bart, um, and whatever the left wing version of Brett Bart is. Like he is like it's that. Like if Michigan had like a far media, he's far media. Like you have your regular media, then you have the far me. He's a part of the far media, where um, he's on the far side of the media where. He's going to come in with a different perspective, and he's going to just, yeah, I mean, he is what it is. He is what it is, and um, he gets some of y'all riled up, and that's just <laughs> that's just how it goes. He gets some of y'all riled up, and some of you guys, it. some of y'all I know in the last few months are like, you know what, I don't like this guy. But he seems more right than wrong, it feels like. And then other people just, whether it's right or wrong, just hate his guts. Other people, you know, are like all about it. You know, stay in the gray area when it comes to stuff like that. Um, don't get too worked up. Don't get too emotional. Uh, just know that Yoder, he loves Michigan just like a lot of people. Uh, he's just someone with... Um, with um, he has a lot of ambition and he is going to, he is, whatever he's feeling, he's going to let you know loud, loud and clear. He's not going to BS you. He's not going to fluff it. He is going to come right for the jugular every single time. Uh, at times I don't like it, but that's just who he is. And, um, and I respect the fact that he hasn't really changed for anyone. Um, yeah. And on Yoder, I mean, that's his. I mean, that's that. Yo, what up? We are back with the Ant Farm, episode 16. Michigan has Rutgers coming up here on Saturday. It's going to be a huge game for Michigan and a huge game for Rutgers as well. Per usual, I don't do this on my own. Today we have Aaron Brightman with us. He's a Rutgers grad from uh, class of 2000. Also the managing editor for SB Nation for On the Banks, which is the Rutgers website associated with SB Nation. His Twitter, you can find him at at Aaron underscore Brightman. That's two A's in that Aaron. So the A-A-Ron jokes that, as you know, it's A-A-R-O-N underscore B-R-E-I-T. <laughs> M-A-M. Aaron, thanks for joining me today. I highly appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Look forward to uh, talking some uh, shop ahead of Saturday's game. Yeah, so the first bit is just going to be, you know, you are a Rutgers grad. Are you from New Jersey as well, too? Uh, I grew up in Jersey. I, uh, I moved there when I was five, and uh, so I've been going to Rutgers games literally since I was five years, uh, about six years old. Uh, my father worked there for a while, so uh, that was actually why we moved to New Jersey. And uh, so, yeah, I've been following the program for a long time. And um, obviously, you know, uh, we're we're not in a very good phase right now. Um, but uh, you know, uh, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> but the fan base is definitely at a at a tough uh, period right now. So, um, um, but uh, yeah, I've been a fan for a long time, and uh, you know, I. I uh, I know a lot of Michigan fans probably wouldn't believe this, but, uh, you know, it, it, we're a very proud fan base, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I've been a fan for so long. Most definitely, man. Uh, so I have to ask, uh, how is it being a fan of Rutgers? So 
like as you know, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you've you've seen the jokes, you've heard the jokes. You know, this team is the Rutgers of this, this team is the Rutgers of that. You know, Rutgers needs to be relegated to a different comp you know, you've probably heard everything. You know, how is it being a fan? In just from a Michigan fan standpoint, you know, it's gonna be a little bit different perspective. You know, what are you what are the fans' expectations every year? Because we don't really like fathom that type of deal. Like where we're like, holy crap, if we win five games this year, things are really <laughs> looking up. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm here to put Michigan fans in a good mood, I think, because I, I've I've been reading and uh, you know we had uh, uh, I, I've been listening to some other Michigan fans and seeing stuff on social media and it's very gloom and doom and gloom right now. And I have to say, uh, you know, I, I almost get a chuckle out of it because it's like we would we would kill for a coach that could only win eight or nine games a year. So uh, we won, we won eight games in the last three plus seasons under Chris Ash. Uh, you know, since since 2014, our first season in the Big Ten, uh, you know, it was a good debut, eight and five record, and we've won 12 games since. So, uh, yeah, I, I I can't really sympathize with Michigan fans. I I, I get it. Uh, you guys are you know used to being a, a national power, um, and I understand that frustration. But no, I mean, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Rutgers fans were were pretty reasonable in our expectations. I mean, with five wins was. You know, as sad as this to sound, uh, was really the hope and the goal going into this season. And I think yeah. was a fair expectation for a significant improvement, which is what the athletic director Pat Hobbs uh, termed necessary for this year, this fourth season with Ash. And uh, right. sadly, three games into the season, you know, we really hope is at this point uh, it's pr- pretty dismal in terms of our outlook on, on how this year is going to go. Hey, <laughs> I'm with you. So. Because you went down that road, I'm going to skip something and then come back to it later just to stay on the same kind of page. So, Ash came from Ohio State. He was very reputable. He was very good on Urban Meyer's staff. Um, you, you may not know this, but I I like to search for things. And what's going on in Rutgers' world right now is there's rumblings of Shiano coming back. And he is a he's born and raised in New Jersey. He spent 11 seasons at Rutgers, plus 500 record, 5-1 and one bowl record, and he was even, like, he finished, what, like like 12th or 13th in the country in 2006. What are you hearing from that? I'm hearing crazy fans going, you know, Shiano might be the coach before, you know, the end of the season and all this crazy stuff. Where, what are you hearing about that? Uh, there's certainly speculation. I think, uh, to be honest, it's, it's predictable. Uh, there's a certain contingent of Rutgers fans that certainly uh, yearns for the days of Shiano. Obviously, he you know he made Rutgers relevant. Yes. Um, you know, putting aside logistics and everything, it, the reality is Rutgers would not be in the Big Ten if it wasn't for the efforts of Shiano uh, and making them relevant. They went to nine bowl games in ten years. Uh, they were very, uh, you know, they, they were a solid program. We're in the Big East. They never won the Big East with Shiano. They, they had a, a co-championship one year. Yeah. Um, but uh, they were definitely respectable. You know, in 2001, they, Sports Illustrated wrote an article that they should end the program. So that's how bad Rutgers football was back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've kind of come full circle this year. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sold on the idea. I, I think it's an interesting idea. I think there's a certain upside to it. I think it raises the, the basement uh, for where the program would be. 
But yeah. I think we also know where the ceiling would be with Shiano, and I think that you know while Rutgers, I think, would be respectable with him, you know, I I, th- I think the idea that there's only one guy that can coach at Rutgers and be successful uh, is pretty ridiculous. So I think, um, yeah, I, I get it. A lot of fans are clinging to Shiano in the days when it w- the program was so much more successful. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily. Uh, I you know I think dynamic has changed at the school there's a new athletic director there's going to be a new president coming in um the board of directors is a little bit different now so i I, you know shiano really had his lay of the land back then he could pretty much do whatever he wanted um i don't mean that in a a scandalous way but you know he ran a very tight ship he really got whatever he wanted when he was there and in terms of his demands and i don't know if that would would mesh well now um and i'm not sure that 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 with the athletic director would click so um of course people are going to speculate and and hope for it um but i don't think it's a, a a sure thing by any means Gotcha. Now, in 2011, he left for the uh, Buccaneers job that winter. Um, was that a surprise that he left at that time, or was this expected? Uh, he had been rumored you know, for other jobs for a few years at that point, but um, leaving for the NFL was a surprise, but also the manner in which he did it. Uh, he did it literally the, the last week before signing National Signing Day. Uh, so it really put the program in a bind. Um, you know, and, and actually the, the, the infamous story is that he had this whole coaching staff out of high school in New Jersey waiting for him to show up uh, to really push on a couple last-minute recruits. And they found out via text from him, uh, voicemail, he wasn't coming. He was on a plane to Tampa. So uh, the, the athletic director at the time, Tim Pernetti, was really in a bind. They were trying to save the recruiting class. Uh, so they, you know, Shiano basically took all the best coaches on the staff with him to Tampa. And Rutgers was left with Kyle Flood. Uh, a career offensive line coach, and that's who Pernetti went with. It was it was good in the sense that it saved the recruiting class, which at the time was ended up being ranked in the top forty, uh, near about thirty, I believe. Uh, Shama's best class ever, he had like a top uh, twenty-five class once. But um, that that was really the move that he made. But ultimately, it was a disastrous decision because Kyle Flood really ruined the program uh, in terms of scandals off the field, the culture. Uh, within the program and ultimately results on the field. And, you know, to, to Ash's defense, he, he really inherited uh, a program that was in disarray, uh, you know, lacked Big Ten talent and depth. Flood's best years were with Shiano's talent that he left. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was Shiano definitely, the way he left, it, it, it did rub some people the wrong way and I think some prominent boosters, and I think that's a, a good tie in why. I think him ever coming back is definitely more complicated than a mid-team. So it's more far-fetched and more about trying to get back to that nostalgia of no longer being a joke and more so of being, you know, not necessarily winning the East, but, hey, going, you know, 7-5 or 8-4, and four, and then one of these years maybe mess around and get lucky and get to Indianapolis for a Big Ten championship game. Who knows? Um, yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly. I think nostalgia people love nostalgia, right? They they love to. Talk they about love it. Me. They love it. That's why they. That's why everyone yells at me when I start making fun of Larry Bird. Like I get so many unfollows and blocks just from the from I I think nostalgia has gotten me like two thousand blocks minimum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny yeah i mean you know look look at it at uconn obviously not a uh, 
uh, you know, Power Five team right now. But Randy Edsel was very successful there. Left, yep. he came back, and they're a disaster now. So uh, I don't think him coming back is any guarantee. Like I said, I think that you know he could certainly raise where the program is right now. But I think a lot of coaches could, to be honest with you. I think uh, that where the coaching staff is right now, and and, and uh, I think Ash is just honestly he's not a head coach, uh, and I don't think that's ever going to change in terms of him being able to turn the program around. Gotcha. I think if Urban Meyer gets back into coaching, he's going to take Ash with him, um, whether he goes to USC or wherever. Um, I think if Urban Meyer gets that gets that job, he's going to reach out to Ash and say, "Hey, look, you may want to get out of there now while you know you still have a reputation." Um, so let's let's kind of you know go back to you know this game coming up here. Um, I saw a stat the other day. I forget someone someone from Rutgers put it out, but it was pretty interesting. It said um, it said games with twenty or more points since the beginning of the twenty sixteen season. Um, there's like a full list, but it's like Ohio State was first with like forty one or forty two games. Michigan was fourth with like thirty three. Illinois was second to last with. 21 or 22 and yep. then Rutgers was dead last with 9 or 10 that is a legit yep. like that is a legit like holy crap like <laughs> like it's three touchdowns it's, that's all it is it's three touchdowns or it's two touchdowns and two field goals you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, that was it's not crazy. Not for much. You're right. Uh, and I love that you're exasperated, uh, like Rutgers fans are. And, and, and another stat is that they've been shut out seven times since 2016 when Ash took over, which is more than all the other Big Ten teams combined. <laughs> so, uh, Michigan uh, almost got shut out this past weekend, not going to lie. They almost got shut out. It says 14 on the scoreboard, but I was questioning if they were going to score at all. But yeah, seven is seven shutouts. That is a lot. Like all you gotta do is kick a field goal, get lucky, and get a little uh, a safety. Like seven is a lot. But the past, oh the past game has been a major problem. I mean, they, they've had eight games of fifty yards or less through the air. Ooh. Uh, 50? So, you know, they, fifty. Fifty. Eight games less than fifty. All you gotta do from the twenty is throw it and get yards after catch and get stopped at the other twenty. That's sixty <laughs> yards right there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awful. It's pretty awful. Oh, I, man. I, I didn't directly answer your question before, but I think I, I've somehow, you're indirectly feeling what it is like to be a Rutgers fan now. I am. Because, uh, <laughs> I am. It's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and I think, yeah, I, so Rutgers went through a streak of having like nine different offensive coordinators nine years in a row. Jeez. But Ash's failure to be able to, to, to find a uh, offensive staff that can develop uh, a quarterback has been a Probably the number one problem in in why he's failing, uh, and it's uh, you know believe it or not, we've actually had two three hundred yard passing games this year already. I um, tweeted about it. I tweeted about it. I swear to God, I swear <laughs> to God. I don't even have it in front of me, but I know McLean Carter threw for three hundred forty yards against someone. Who was that against? Uh, against the worst FBS team in the country. Hey, yes. let's not even talk about that. Don't even take, <laughs> don't even say that part. Just say. He threw for 340, and I said that was the first time that's happened at Rutgers since, like, 2015 or 2016 or something. It's been a it long, long time. It was a long time, and then Sikowski threw for 304 yards last weekend against Boston College. Ooh. Now, who gets the ball this weekend? I know 
McLean went went out against Iowa in the first half. Didn't come out in the second half. Um, for the for the listeners, McLean Carter is a Texas Tech. He's a grad fifth year trans transfer, right? Yes. So he transferred into Rutgers and he competed with a spot because I mean, let's be real. Like you 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 only have nine games of twenty or more points. The quarterback job is open no matter who is there. So McLean Carter comes in, challenges, gets hurt against Iowa, um, and then then didn't play last week. You know, whose job is it moving forward? Yeah, so he, he's been in concussion protocol since that Iowa game. Uh, so he wasn't able to go last weekend. Um, and as I asked his presser on Monday, he said he's still not cleared to play. So Stakowski was definitely uh, de- is definitely starting this weekend. Ash was non-committal on uh, the long-term decision, um, but it's definitely going to be Stakowski. You know, he was the starter last year. He led the country in interceptions. Uh, he looked much improved last week. But you know, they definitely uh, they game plan and they're not asking him to do too much. You know, and and that's. A good thing, he definitely took what the defense gave him, but Rutgers couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't put points on the board. They, you know, they got 16, which, <laughs> you know, is actually a lot. For, yeah, that's not bad. Right. But, uh, you know, they, they, when you can't run in the red zone and you can't throw for big plays, you're not going to score touchdowns, you're not going to score a lot of points. And, uh, you know, they, they, that game was for the taking against Boston College. Frankly, they were the better team for a good part of that game. Yeah. They just couldn't convert and, and, and make big plays when they needed it. And they had uh, penalties, uh, 11 penalties in that game, which has been a huge issue this season. So, um, you know, it's uh, Sikowski's going to go into the big house. We'll see how he does. He's only a true sophomore, um, and he's former Miami commit. Uh, a lot of hope coming in with him last year. He really got thrown under the fire, uh, you know, which was a difficult situation for him. But, um, yeah, Rutgers fans are kind of torn on him. They're not really sure what to expect. Last, last week was obviously encouraging. But I think a lot are still kind of waiting to see if he's if he's going to really develop into the starting starter long term or not. Gotcha. And then you guys had BC this past week weekend, which which kind of sucks because I think Boston College wasted their like game on Kansas, where mm-hmm. like I I feel like Rutgers would have had a better chance if BC had won that game easily than them coming into that game not getting decimated by Kansas. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. But I do think that BC was extra fired up. You know, they have uh, 17 players on the roster from New Jersey. Their coach, Steve Adazio, has negatively recruited against Rutgers for years and years and years. He was at Temple before BC. Uh, Ladazio? Is that his name? Yes. That is the most New Jersey Philly name ever. (laughs) Dazio. You know he's in there. Yeah, man, we'll see. Um, you know, we have uh, had the new OC come in. It hasn't really 
it hasn't really come to like it. It hasn't really come to come together, and it kind of sucks when you see these other offensive with with you know new coordinators or first or second year QBs going out there and putting up all these points. And I'm looking at my guy, and like I feel like I'm watching a different sport when I'm watching my team and then watching someone else's team. Like some of these games are un- like watching Notre Dame and Georgia. Goodness gracious, some of these hits. And some of these plays, and I'm looking at all these other games, and I'm just like, are we playing the same sport? Like, it doesn't, you know, like, like there's just a disconnect right right now. There's plenty of season left, um, but I I really hope that they can, you know, um, get into it a lot sooner. Um, Aaron Brightman's with us, a Rutgers grad from the class of 2000, managing editor at, at SB Nation. For On the Banks, you can catch him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Brightman. That's two A's for the Aaron. Um, so, moving forward, when it comes to basketball, um, huge loss with Eugene Emerore. He went to Oregon, I think, right? He did. Um, super unexpected from my standpoint. I thought that you guys were like right there um, in terms of not going to say getting the tournament, but pushing teams to maybe get in the tournament, possible NIT berth, because you got Geo coming back, Ron Harper Jr. is going to have a much bigger role. I thought having a guy like um, Eugene to just round things things out, plug guys in there, um, I think you guys really had a shot. Steve Peichel has done such a great job with that, with that team. People made fun of them because of their record, but as a basketball guy, I'm like, you know what, they're – they're playing the right way, culture-wise. They're doing a lot. They're doing a lot better. Um, what are you looking at this upcoming year when it comes to hoops? And who are you going to have to kind of uh, get in there to kind of uh, cover for what is missing with uh, Eugene? Yeah, I, just to, to, on the point of Eugene. I mean, that was a huge shock to everybody. Uh, Jerry Carino was a long time, uh, pretty much the. The, the top basketball writer in the, the tri-state New Jersey area said in his 20 years of covering bas- college basketball, it was the, the most shocked he's ever been. Um, you know, talking to people inside the program, nobody saw it coming. Um, they even announced that day that they had scheduled a game in Toronto. They're going to be playing. They were supposed to play South Carolina. And I saw play, that. I yeah, they're playing oh Bonaventure. And they announced that day that they were playing. In For Toronto. him. Uh, for him, for at him, five, five p.m. and at midnight, he went on social media and announced he was transferring. So, obviously, a huge shock. Um, you know, it, there's definitely, I, 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 there's, we've had a lot of infamous transfers over the years at Rutgers. Dante Jones back in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, one of the billets, uh, Greg Eschenique went to uh, Creighton and made the tournament. There was a big joke. Uh, um, also, Mike Rosario went to Florida. There was a joke there for a while. Whoever transferred from Rutgers basketball ended up making the tournament wherever they went. Uh, and it was true for a long time. But I, I've never remembered. I, I don't think there's going to be as much bad blood as there is with Omar Yuri. Uh, there's definitely some bad blood with the team. He actually gave an interview yesterday uh, on the rival site and kind of took a jab and said something about, you know, he wanted to be around guys that were more competitive. I think there was a little bit of a disconnect with him and the younger guys. Um, and at any rate, it was a huge shock to them, too. He was the captain of the team. He was the leading rebounder and scorer for the team. So, obviously, a huge loss in, in, in a lot of respects. But a lot of us are still very optimistic, myself included. Um, I think this style that 
that they want to play is actually um, a little more conducive with, 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 without Omar Yuri. They're going to be a lot more up-tempo this year. Right. They added Jacob Young, who is a uh, transfer from Texas, uh, his, um, and uh, he has a lot of promise. He's going to be a junior. He's going to make them a lot more up-tempo. He's going to give them a, a scoring punch they really haven't had. You mentioned Harper Jr. I think he's going to take a huge leap. You know, his father, Ron Harper, uh, NBA, real maybe not legend, but obviously a great NBA player back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think he, you know, he's going to have a chance, I think, to be an all-league player. I think people are sleeping on him. He, you know, he had the 16th best offensive rating in the conference last year in league play. Uh, and I think, you know, they've just been raving about him this offseason. G.L. Baker is back. Um, but in terms of who's going to fill the void for Omar Yuri, you have a, a grad transfer, a quasi Yeboah. He was the best player on Stony Brook, a mid-major team. Yeah. Uh, he was actually recruited there by Paykel before Paykel left for Rutgers. Uh, so I think he's had a kind of a seamless transition. He's going to be, he's more of an uh, outside-in uh, 3-4 guy. Uh, but I think between him and Harper, they're going to they're gonna mix it in at the 4. Uh, and I think their, their center, Miles Johnson, who you saw last year as a, a redshirt freshman, He's only gotten better too, and he's he's uh, probably the best passer on the team. Uh, so listen, they, they have a, their talent is so much better now. Yeah, it is. Um, they're they they're very perimeter oriented. Um, I'm a little worried about their shooting um, and their defense, but I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to really push the pace. I think they're going to press more. They're going to mix defenses up. But I think um, you know that top six seven uh, players on the roster. I think they're much closer to being in that middle of the pack of the Big Ten uh, than they've ever been before. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. So, for those who don't know, Jacob Jacob Young, he was he was, he was was basically right around a 100th ranked recruit, a four-star, um, out of Houston, out of Houston, Texas, one of the, the uh, top players down there. Um, really good ball player. Do you guys still have um, Issa Tim Theum, or is, is no? Is he's he actually uh, he uh, unfortunately got dismissed from the team with, at the end of last season. There were three games to go. He uh, he had a little bit of an issue. He got arrested and uh, he was uh, dismissed from the team. So he's he's off. Uh, but the, in terms of you know the void, uh, you have that sophomore class with Harper Junior. Miles Johnson, but also you have Kale McConnell, who's a six six. Um, guy who can really play the one, two, or the three. Uh, and then they have a, a promising point guard, freshman uh, Paul McKay, who's 6'6", uh, but is a pass-first point guard. And him and Young, along with Baker, are really going to be the primary uh, ball handlers. Gotcha. Um, I only brought up uh, the uh, Issa guy because he he wore 35, and he <laughs> was like 6'9", playing on the wing, like 180 pounds. Um, couldn't really shoot it, but he always shot the ball. Couldn't really rebound, but he was in quite a bit. He was like my least favorite Big Ten player. I don't know why. It's very weird. It's so weird because he did nothing to make me feel this way, but he was probably my least favorite Big Ten player to watch. Like, every time I watch Rutgers play, like, you know, it's Geo coming up, and I would see this 6'9 guy run right to, to the wing, then throw it off the backboard. I'm just like, I'm like, get a rebound, go to the hoop, do do something, but yeah. But by the way, uh, Jacob Young, you know, he's got a great lineage. His brother is Joe Young, who uh, played for the Pacers for a few years. Oregon, and his yep. father, his father is Michael Young, who was uh, one of the all-time leading scorers back at Houston. 
uh, back in the day in the 80s when they were so good. So, uh, you know, it, people are really high on him, and I think uh, he could definitely give them, you know, they, they need more scoring. That's been the issue with them. Uh, shooting has been poor over the last few years. Uh, but, you know, Paykel has really transformed the culture. They're a tough team. Uh, and I think they're, you know, what they need to do is they, they have to make the rack a true home court advantage. Um, you know, they had it, had it rocking last year, but five sellouts and they lost all five games at the end. Yeah. So they really need to turn that around. If they can, if they can be a tough out at home uh, and they're starting to learn to win on the road, they blew out a ranked Iowa team on the road at the end of last year. Um, yeah, I, I, the expectation really is, you know, to have the first winning record in, in 14 years. And uh, I think I think this is an NIT team uh, and they haven't been there in, since 2006 either. So yeah. um, that's, that's kind of the fair expectation, I think. You know, hey, if they could surprise, them. I think the Big Ten after the first top kind of five, six teams is kind of wide open. Mm-hmm. So you never know. I mean, if they could get around 500 in the conference play, uh, maybe they're on the NCAA tournament bubble. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to see. But it's certainly the most anticipated Rutgers basketball season for the fan base in a very long in time. In a long, long time. Yeah, I'm just sitting here looking at your schedule. Um, the non-conference is not very, very tough. So I think that's going to really help the record moving forward. And getting two to three games above 500 in the Big Ten, um, you know, you you'll see yourselves right there. You know, a Seton Hall game, you know, at the rack. I mean, that's a winnable game. Going to Pitt, they struggled a bit last year. Another winnable game. UMass at home, winnable game. So I think there's um I think there's a lot of potential there for you guys. And um, I always like. Like, people say, like, you know, like, who's your favorite NBA team? I'm like, I, I just like good basketball. Outside of Michigan, um, you know, I don't like Michigan State, but even even my rivalries, even my rivals, I still appreciate good basketball. Um, since Steve Peichel came in, I've been able to appreciate Rutgers basketball, as crazy as that sounds. They don't, <laughs> I love it. They don't win every game, but they fight and they grind. Watching Rutgers versus Seton Hall last year, it was kind of a letdown because they gave up such a huge lead. But just it was either last year or the year before. Um, but they gave up a huge lead, and then Seton Hall came back and ended up winning by like ten or eleven points. Um, but just seeing Rutgers even be on that stage to begin with, with a very good team, um, you know, it's showing that that program is slowly getting better and better. So. Yeah, well, and, and actually, this is interesting because uh, Paykel loves uh, he loves Beeline, and I think that you know he's actually said this in interviews. He's kind of models the the kind of team he wants after after Michigan and Beeline in the sense of he's really recruited guys that can play multiple positions yep. that are very versatile, perimeter oriented guys. Uh, that can play multiple spots, defend multiple positions, uh, and be a more up-tempo team. But um, I think that, you know, while they, they don't have the talent of a Michigan, I think that, yeah, they, they have a lot of guys now. He, he's going to have a lot of lineup. Uh, he's going to be able to switch rotations quite a bit, mix things up, give uh, opponents different looks. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. They, they, they need to have a good season. Recruiting's gone well, but it's, uh, to be honest, hit a little bit of a lull right now. Yeah. Um, two, of their, two of their top targets just committed to other Big Ten teams this past weekend. Gotcha. Um, uh, Zed Key at Ohio State, and um, also uh, they had um, uh, I'm blanking right now, but 
they, they're in on Cliff O'Meara, who's the top 50 guy, but they need to get momentum going uh, to be able to uh, keep it keep the positive vibes going. But I think the fan base is really psyched up, and uh, hopefully, you know, they can take another step forward and finish. Uh, you know, if they could get seventh place, eighth place in the Big Ten, going to the Big Ten tournament, I, I, I think they would be on the bubble. Yeah, that's huge. So, I mean, so Cliff Emerori, is that Eugene's younger brother? I, I Ironically, no. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a Roselle Catholic New Jersey recruit. Um, top 50 top guy? He's recruiting like top 50 guy. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, basically, they're saying right now, UConn and Rutgers are, are in the lead for his uh, for services. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a while until he makes the decision. Um, but, you know, listen, Rutgers even being in the conversation for a guy like that is huge. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they really need to build some momentum. It was, uh, by the way, it was Coleman Hawkins who moved to Illinois. He was, uh, he was Rutgers, uh, you know, he had officially visited. And um, so they, they need to start winning some of those battles they have uh, in the past. Montez Mathis, former four-star guy. Um, Harper was a, a late bloomer on the recruiting yeah. trail, but they beat him over Nebraska. Uh, they got Mathis over UConn, and then you have Mulcahy. They picked him over Northwestern uh, and a couple other schools. So they're winning some of those battles, but until they really get over the hump on the court, that's when they, I think they'll have a real breakthrough on the recruiting trail. I'm with you, man. Um, Aaron Brightman here, Rutgers grad, Rutgers grad class of 2000. Managing editor at SB Nation for On the Banks. Twitter is A-A-R-O-N underscore Brightman, Aaron underscore Brightman. Um, uh, it, is so, it is so important that people realize, especially when it comes to hoops, um, the talent gap between the elite and your very good players is shrinking every single year, in my opinion. So therefore, it's so much. It's it's so important to get your guys. Not necessarily that doesn't have to be the most talented, or it doesn't even have to be a five star or a four star. But if you could get the best guy that buys into what you're trying to do, um, and buys into your system and buys into your team, um, those are those are the teams that you see end up coming out of nowhere and getting top three or four in the league, then end up making deep runs in the in the NCAA tourney. And that's how you beat some of these teams with a lot of talent is 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 that cohesion. You know, that's why you saw Michigan State beat Duke. Duke's super talented. Michigan State they had they had a bunch of glue guys, and they had an and they all you know came around this engine in Cassius Winston, and they were to, they were able to get that to uh, get that done. So um, Pykele has been been doing great great things. I've been watching him since you know he was at uh, Stony. Which he did great, great things, and um, I'm really excited for the game this weekend. And I have to ask you because I have to just ask, what is your prediction uh, for this weekend? <laughs> well, uh, I'll just end by saying you're you're dead on about. Uh, I love what you said about finding the right fit guys for your culture, and that's what Michael has done since day one, mm-hmm. and it's really. Uh, that's put them in a position now to really compete because, you know, they have guys that were unheralded on the recruiting trail that have blossomed, and he's been really strong in player development. They have Brandon Knight, an assistant coach, former Pitt star, uh, longtime Pitt assistant under Jamie Dixon. That was a huge uh, get for Pykele to have him on the staff, and he's been tremendous on the recruiting trail and with development. Um, but in terms of football, yeah, listen, I mean, <laughs> we're not very optimistic. I know Michigan fans are down on their own team, but... Um, <laughs> 
you know, Rutgers has never played particularly well at the big house, and I don't really see that changing. Um, you know, the defense traditionally, they've lost 15 power five games in a row. Um, the defense always gets worn down in the second half, and I just don't see that changing this weekend. I want to score, I'm going to say, uh, 31-7. to Interesting. I'm, like, right there with you. Um, I don't think that they'll cover the 29-point spread, but I had 34-10. Um, mm-hmm. So, same exact same exact spread. I, sw- like <laughs> I wrote it down, <laughs> I swear. I, I wrote this down. I had 34-10. Um, I don't think that they'll cover the spread. I think we're going to see the same hiccups offensively, um, but I think that they're going to get away with a few things just because of the the, the uh, talent disparity, um, you know, things that Wisconsin or Iowa or Ohio State wouldn't let happen. Um, I think j- they'll they'll uh, get by, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. I think they're going to give the ball to Shea, and then you know, hopefully he does well, and hopefully he doesn't get knocked out because um, then we have our second string is probably going to be Joe Milton, since uh, Dylan McCaffrey, I believe he's still in concussion protocol. So. Well, one stat to know, Anthony, is that Rutgers, they've, they've committed eight turnovers and 25 penalties in three games. So <laughs> they shoot themselves in the foot often, and I think that will probably be the difference from being a relatively potentially close game to a pretty <laughs> comfortable uh, win for Michigan. Well, good thing for you. We both have guns in our hand, and we're both shooting ourselves. So it's, <laughs> we're both <laughs> we'll shooting see. ourselves in the foot. So we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, once again, Aaron Brightman with Rutgers uh, Grad Class of 2000, Managing Editor at SB Nation for On the Banks. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, man. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. it was, I had a lot of fun, too, and uh, good luck uh, this weekend, although I don't think you'll need it. And uh, <laughs> you, got, you got me excited for hoops. Practice starts tomorrow. So uh, Tomorrow? Yeah, Practice started yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, for Rutgers, it starts tomorrow. Maybe Michigan, I don't know. If Y'all took two days off? See, see, that's why you're not going to make the tournament, man. See, little things like that. Y'all even know when uh, practice I think starts. Be, I think it's, hold on, hold on. I think it's based on when their first game is. Because their first game is November 7th. So I, I, they weren't allowed to start practice until tomorrow. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. Michigan had their their first practice yesterday. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, pictures came out and all that fun stuff. But um, nice. it, it's, it should be an interesting year. You know, it should be an interesting year. And then... Uh, um, maybe when uh, Rutgers plays Michigan, you could come back on and we could talk about how uh, how we're both undefeated going in, yeah, into the game. I would like that. And, you know, Rutgers fans are psyched because we got Michigan twice this year, and our road game is actually at the Garden. Uh, yeah, I know. Better. What type of crap is that? It's like two home games. Oh, well, come on. It's the first time the Big Ten oh, gave Rutgers a break in man. six years. So, oh, I, I, man. you know, uh, we're... That, that's a huge two games for us, and uh, yeah, that now have to go to Ann Arbor and play two in the metro area. I think uh, the crowd for that game is going to be interesting. If you make it down, let me know, but uh, I'll, I'll be there. But uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be two good games, hopefully. And uh, I'm interested to see how Michigan does with Howard as their coach this year. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, honestly, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to find out. Um, there's there's two huge dates. It's going to be November. November 27th through December 14th, we're going to find out who Michigan is. Because they got to, look, they got to go to Atlantis, play Iowa State, the winner of or loser of Alabama, North Carolina. 
Then they got they got to go to Louisville. Then they have Iowa. Then at Illinois. Illinois is going to be tough this year. Then they got oh, yeah. home against Oregon. So it's there's a there is a little block in there that's going to tell me a lot about this team. A lot. So if we're both undefeated going into that game, woo. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to scare Michigan fans a little bit, we have a little experience with former uh, stars of the program coming back to be the savior and coach. Uh, Eddie <laughs> Jordan, you know, did not, uh, it was actually a successful NBA coach, but uh, had a terrible three seasons at Rutgers. So hopefully, Howard has a better tenure uh, <laughs> at Michigan than he did. I think, you know, hiring Phil Martelli, I think, was an awesome, awesome move. Very yeah. smart. So I think. Uh, you know, he surrounded himself with some, some experienced guys. But, yeah, I can't wait for hoops. Uh, obviously, even more so because we can't wait for football to be over. And, uh, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> hopefully, man. <laughs> hopefully you guys take it easy on us this weekend. All right. You guys, too. Have a good one, man. All right. Take care, man. All right. See ya. All right. We're back. You know, so happy to get um, to get Aaron Brightman on our show, he was great. Um, you know, and I wasn't joking. You know, all respect to Rutgers with their basketball team. Uh, the way that they've been playing the game in the last uh, couple years is nothing like it was when um, when they were when they had Eddie Jordan. Total new brand of basketball. They just play the right way. Um, I enjoy watching that. So, um, good luck to them moving forward for sure. So we're on to uh, my favorite segment is when I get to the questions because you guys have some good questions, some funny questions, and um, whether you're trolling or not, I don't really care. I mean, like, like I engage with everyone as best as I can, and um, this is by far my favorite part. And I'm in a great mood because South Park comes on in an hour and a half, new season, new episode. I am so pumped and so hyped, so ready for it. And this weekend, I am hitting up Yates Cider Mill. Thank y'all. Man, you guys um, are great. Whenever I ask you guys about you know certain things about Michigan, as you know, I'm from Virginia, the, the, the uh, D.C. area. I'm not from around here, but I'm exploring more and more as I, you know, as I become a Michigander, per se. Um, went to stay in uh, Magadon Island, the Grand Hotel, Last fall, that was really, really dope. That was my first time, like, past Saginaw. And it is so beautiful up there, and it was great. And um, I don't think I wouldn't have been as upset about the Mike Pence having a motorcade up there if I hadn't experienced that. So, um, yeah, and then, like, that same time period, I went to, uh, I went to, what was that place called? I went to uh, Frankenmuth and went to the, went to either Zenders or the Bavarian, I forget, but, um, man, just delicious food that they just keep bringing out to you. You just get stuffed. The food was so good. And we went to Bronner's and Christmas time. And everyone loves Christmas. And that was just a great period. But thank you, guys. I asked a question this this, pack, we, this past week about the best cider mills. And I've only gone to Mueller's. I thought, you know, you know, you, you know, you go to a mill and you get goats and you get donuts and um, and the apple cider, but apparently there's like other stuff you can get too. Like I didn't know that. Um, like, like I tweeted, I tweeted about it and then someone said, you know, go to Yates and then posted this picture 
oh my gosh, this picture, it was like custard with like one of those brown sugary donuts with like apple pie filling and it was covered in caramel and like, it was like pecan nuts or in like the whipped cream. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. So because of that, I'm going to Yates this weekend for sure, for sure. I'm going to Yates either this weekend or next weekend. And um, yeah, I'm ordering whatever that was. I hope it's good because it looked delicious. I can't wait. I'm so ready for fall season. Um, November's upon us. And yeah. So thanks again for that. You know, you guys really, you know, loved Yates. So I'm definitely going to hit that place up here in the next couple of weekends. All right. First question we have from Matt Zabolzik, Invader under slash Zim on Twitter. Asked, what are some things that piss you off even though they probably shouldn't? I'm going to have to go with the feds. I shouldn't be upset when people come to my page and start writing. Like, I don't mind it. Like, that's that's totally fine because I, I engage with everyone, as many people as I can. But you got to understand, so the feds are... When, when I say the feds or you see someone say something to me and I respond with like a Thanos gif, no matter what they say. So the feds are have to have like certain qualifications. So you have to be a fan of Michigan, okay? A uh, fan of Michigan. Uh, you constantly are in my timeline, whether it's talking to me or you're tagging me on something or talking to other people, um, and you don't subscribe to my page, I am so sorry, but that pisses me off so much um, because I already have a high engagement. The last thing I need is, you know, is someone who, whether they agree with me or not, someone who is a Michigan fan who doesn't subscribe to my page, who is mucking up my time. Like, I get legit... Like, I'm going to look look at my timeline right now, and I can screenshot this for you if you want. It is, I have 99 plus notifications right now. I checked Twitter half an hour ago. Since then, I have 99 plus notifications. I don't know how many that is. That's all, there's going to be a lot, like two or 300, who knows. If you don't subscribe to my page and you're mucking that up some more when I already engage with a lot of people, like you are a distraction from the people who gone out, who went out their way, who have signed up to what to, you know, know when I tweet. Um, it's, it's just really irritating. And so that's why I started blocking people, even people who have done absolutely nothing wrong. But I mean, you're, you're either here or you're not. I mean, pick one. Like, pick one. Legit. Like, I don't really care about followers. I could really care less. But you're either subscribing to my stuff or don't tweet at me. Like, pick it. Pick one. Pick one, please. It's, it's, it's so annoying. It makes me mad because it takes away from the people who do subscribe to my page because then I got to worry about this other person who I'm who I don't even need to be engaging with because they don't subscribe to my stuff anyway. That's why they're always so confused what's going on. Like they're confused. The dumbest tweets that I get 
are from people who don't subscribe to my page or else they would have much better context on what I'm talking about. So as you can see, I'm pissed off even talking about it. It shouldn't make me mad, but it makes me mad because it takes away from you guys who actually take that time to like go to my page and like you subscribe to it. Like you see it as followers. I see it as like subscribers. You're subscribing to my page. So I, a, I devote my time to you guys. I hate the fact that I got these other chimpanzee feds who just want to come in and just throw their crap all over the place, not even knowing the context, because it's something that I said three hours ago that they never even saw. Like, I'm sorry, I'm done ranting, but that's what makes me mad. Thank you, Matt, for making me upset when I was in a good mood talking about Yates, custard, apple pie, cream-filled del deliciousness, and South Park about to be on. You got me out here. The first question just messed up my, and just messed up everything. All right, Rick Moody, Moudini, 31. How dirty is college basketball recruiting really? Any good stories? Names can be withheld. Um, college basketball can be really dirty, but you got to un understand that um, a lot of times it's not the coaches. You know, there's other people around. Um, I'm not going to say where or who it was, but I have seen one of my boys get handed crispy $100 bills, like crispy. I was talking to on uh, Sham and Keith's uh, podcast yesterday about this. Like these crispy $100 bills, like they could cut a steak in half. Like they were straight from the mint press. Um, I've seen it. It happens. It happens a lot. It happens very low key. I mean, you can't really get away from it, honestly. Um, but I can't really get into detail without giving up pertinent information. So I'm not a snitch. That's not what snitches do. You feel me? <laughs> All right. Alicia, Alicia Knight 8. Will love an update on baby aunt, baby name if sharing. Maybe Barry after your love of Barry Sanders. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So baby aunt. Um, so far, you know, the wife is 20. I think she's 29, 28 or 29 weeks pregnant. Um, the baby is measuring as if it's 32 weeks. Um, it's a boy and we do have a name. I, I do have a name and then y'all can guess the name and ask me. So I know that you guys listen to the pod. Um, the name, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. Named after the greatest Boston Celtic small forward of all time. That's all I'm going to give you. And y'all already know the answer. Y'all already know the answer to that one. Um, Eric Dale, E underscore D underscore four. Do you think it's time to move on from Harbaugh? If so, or even if you don't, where does the program go next? We went with the flashy offense, the dream job candidate, and now the dream candidate and still can't figure it out. Um, do you think we should move on? No, I am not in that camp because I think he is the right dude. I just think that he made a bonehead hire. 
Um, I don't think that we should have went from hot to cold that fast. You got to go, you got to slowly go from hot to sort of hot to warm, you know, lukewarm, room temperature, cooling, cool, colder, cold, freezing cold, ice. Like you got to slowly do it. You can't just do you can't just flip like that, because um, that's because now you're gonna have people questioning. You know, do you really, you know, do you tr- like, you know, do you really not trust? Do you really not trust it? Like, like honestly, I would love for, I would love for Jim to go back to what he's always done. Maybe some stuff with like uh, what he did with like Kaepernick, but open it up more and stay in those. 10, 11, 12 formations, maybe a one in or a two formation. Um, that's, you know, that is going to be, that's probably going to be, um, I think that would definitely be, you know, pretty good. If he could just stay with that. Um, yeah, so 10, 11, 12 formations, one, two formations. When I say these things, this is what they mean. So the one formation means you have no running backs, four wide receivers, one tight end. A two formation means you have zero running backs, two tight ends, three three three, <laughs> three wide wide receivers. A 10 formation is you have no tight ends, one running back, four wide receivers. An 11 is you have one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Then in 12, you have one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind more of the power stuff, more pistol. Um, you can go shotgun at times. Um, under the center, if need be, I just feel like there's just no identity right now. I think Harbaugh can get it back with how obsessed and how OCD he is. He can get it back. I still think he's the guy. Um, I don't, um, I just think that we have to get back to the basics, um, get back to the basics. And I think we flipped the offense way too quick. And I don't think the guys, um, I don't think the guys on the team really, you know, you know, caught on with these changes, and there's a disconnect. It's three games in, but at the same time, they are four months in. Gaddis was hired back in April, May or April, something like that. Um, no, March or April. So they've been doing this for a while, um, but there is indeed a disconnect that, that they that they definitely have to fix. But I, I don't think it's time for him to for us to move on. He is. Um, I want him to succeed so bad. I want him to succeed so bad, so, so bad to shut up a lot of people. Um, So, no, I'm not on the fire hardball train at the same time. Um, um, Michigan deserves better from him moving forward. But, no, I'm not on the fire hardball train. Not at all. Um, Life stuff. At Reginald Covis asked, how does Michigan football finish out this season? How does Michigan State football football finish out this season? Um, I am I think Michigan State goes either eight and four, eight and four, or nine and three. They don't look bad, but their defense is stout. 
Uh, I think that's how they're you know very different from Michigan. Um, Michigan State's offense is very inconsistent, um, but their defense will keep games close. Um, that's kind of how Michigan was last year. Um, they were better offensively, but their defense kept them in a lot of games and kept games close. Um, yeah, and that's how it's pretty much been the last few years. Uh, Michigan, I think they go 7-5. and five. I, I just don't think that their defense is good. Um, Personnel-wise, they are lacking. Um, you know, you got Jordan Glasgow on the three-point stands over a 330-pound guard on the goal line, the one-yard line, and you're surprised that they went at him. Like, that is, you know, that's a huge issue. Don Brown has to figure that out, whether that's staying with the uh, 3-3-5 defensive formation or going more to a 4-3 or a 3-4 or even a 5-2. I mean, you have to do something to alleviate some of this pressure uh, on your very small defensive line and make them pass. Like, our DBs, I mean, you'll have Ambry Thomas and Lavert Hill and Metellus, you know, make teams have to pass the ball on you. Get some pressure on the quarterback. Make sure you're containing the run, and you should be fine. But Michigan, like seven and five. Michigan State's gonna be about eight and four, nine and three. Uh, JD Meadow Wooten Peace asked, "Would Larry Bird make Skyline's varsity team?" <laughs> see, story. See, people like this get me in get me in trouble. See, y'all just be baiting me just so I can say something wild. Would they make yes, yes, he would. He's like six eight, six nine. Um this is prime Larry Bird. A lot of people are like, well, of course Larry Bird can't because he's 70 years old. No. So, you know, you gotta know that so Prime Larry, he would make the Skyline varsity team. Just from the fact that he's six eight, six nine, he can shoot it and he's a and he is a good passer. So a lot of a lot of high school coaches would love that. Um, then he'll go to like Sienna Heights or something. I'm sorry, I had to do it. All right, King Chada, Chase the Creator. Do you think Don Brown has been exposed? Seems like we lost some magic on D, along with a lot of NFL guys. Like I said earlier, I think he has to he has to make a decision about these about these formations. Um, like I've been doing a lot of reading because I I have to be educated for you guys for me to even have um, any idea of what they're doing on defense. Um, been exposed, maybe. I think that Don Brown might have missed out on a lot of growth personally as a coach uh, because he had Devin Bush and Winovich and Gary and very you know legit players that you know he lost. Um, you know, very, very good players you know, like Jordan Lewis and all those guys. You know, those guys are no longer here. They're not walking through those doors. I think that they put a lot of duct tape on what was missing and it kept it together for the most part. But now, you know, that duct tape's not here anymore. So, you know, we have to we have to figure out who we are. Um, like, I'm not in the camp, and I'm not that that guy that's going to scream for Hinton and Maisie Smith because I understand, I understand that those guys, they have to perform in practice and they have to know the schemes, they have to know the calls before they're going to run them out on the football field. 
Um, Don Brown will not do that. And it's saying a lot. Like, I'm not sure if Glasgow is just one of his one of his good guys who he just needs to have in the game because of his effort and his and his heart, grit, sneaky athleticism. But um, you know, he's gotta make a choice here because DT is lacking. You gotta recruit a D a better, you know, you have to recruit a defensive line. You know, go look on 247. Go look at 2020, 2019, and 2018. Look at those look at those classes that Michigan brought in. On the line, there's like two there's two DTs. Like you can't you can't do that. You can't do it. I mean, you gotta have guys com- coming in. You have to know that, you know, Winovich was gone. You gotta know that Gary was leaving. You gotta get guys, you gotta get guys from these classes. Like there is that's why Ben Mason flipped to DT. That's why he flipped to defensive line because of the depth. That shouldn't be a problem at Michigan. You are the University of Michigan. You are constantly in the top 15 nationally when it comes to recruiting. You know, there is an 80% chance that they're going to be a top 10, top 15 team recruiting. There is no reason why there should be an issue recruiting a defensive line at the University of Michigan. There should be, and you're Don Brown and you're Harbaugh and you're Michigan, and you you are two games away going to a Big Ten title and possibly a CFP in the last in the last you know three years, there's no reason why there's no reason why they did not capitalize on that to make sure that they were good to go from a defensive line standpoint. So more like their recruiting has been exposed um, because there's you know he's proven that his scheme works, but you got to get the guys to make it work. All right, JTOG. JTOG X asks, should the old lineman have beat the living crap out of the Wisconsin player? Hit McCaffrey, would that have been a bad look? Um, Beat the living crap out of him would be a bad look, but you got to show some type of emotion. Um, There was a disconnect there where, you know, if you were there and you're battling with with your boys in the trenches and it wasn't just a football game, this was it meant it meant something to you. You had heart. This one one of your boys, this guy who you protect all throughout the game just got laid out like that. I'm not saying beat the crap out of him, but show emotion to show that that upsets you. Cause you know, guys are looking at that. You know, guys are looking at that just just the same way that fans looked at that. Guys on the team looked at that. The younger guys who aren't playing looked at that. They all saw, they all saw the reaction, and it was, "Well, I'm just playing football. I don't want to get in trouble." You have to do something. Whether you push the guy, you get in his face, you say this and that, whatever. I'm not saying beat, you know, beat him down, but um, that tells me that just gives me another. That that just gives me another reason to think that there's a big disconnect and uh the team isn't really a isn't really a team right now uh joe c joe c 2219 asked uh, how many five stars does you miss b-ball get this year um zero zero maybe one but if i were to if, if i was a betting man i would say zero i think josh christopher is going to go to arizona state um one dude committed to Duke. Yeah, it's 
No, it's a wrap. It's a wrap on that. Just make sure you're talking to your B guys. They have one more shot at a five-star. Uh, don't want to jinx it, but... Like, I think Damari Burnett, I think he's also going to Alabama. <sighs> Which sucks, losing a recruit to Bama. But for for bas- like basketball, like, like their basketball games are not hype at all. Like, their basketball games are trash. Like, so garbage. So, so garbage. Um, Mitchell Thomas, Teddy underscore Thomas 16. I know it's early in the recruiting process, but what are your thoughts on what Imani Bates will do to go to school and, and stay, go somewhere else, or declare for the NBA draft if the rules change? Uh, Imani Bates. So um, I, I actually coached him when he was in the second grade. Um, crazy legs. He was super, super tall. Uh, you, huge feet. You saw a lot of potential. Um, he played on my fourth grade team while he was like seven or eight years old. And he held his own. You can see what he wanted to do. Um, he's going to be a really special talent coming out of Michigan. I think he's going to stay in Michigan, too. I think he, uh, think him and his you know, dad wants him a little bit closer to home um, and to still be in that circle and keep that circle as well, too. Um, he probably goes to the NBA draft if the rules were to, were to, were to uh, change. But, you know, Amani came to Michigan for uh for the for the army game, I believe. You know, you have to know that over the last two, three years, he's been going to Michigan State for uh for basketball games. So I think he's a Michigan State guy. Um and also Kentucky. He's a fan of Kentucky as well too. And as crazy as as crazy as it sounds, uh, he's not like a, a a KD fan when he's legit, probably the first kid that I'm just like, you know what? That dude reminds me of Kevin. Um, just because you're six nine and can shoot and dribble, that doesn't mean you're Kevin Durant. It it doesn't. You have to be that tall, but move like a guard. Um, Amani's the first one that I've seen um, that I've actually seen, and I'm just like, yeah, I definitely see KD in that dude. We'll see how he fills out, though, so it should be interesting. Eric's thoughts and observations from Dad Eric Betts. How are we not supposed to su- suspect players taking money when Jonathan Taylor is rocking the Louis Vuitton mouthpiece? Um, I mean, the mouthpiece is the mouthpiece. I don't, I don't think it's – I don't really think that's a big deal. That's probably like a – you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. Louis Vuitton – Mouthpiece, football mouthpiece. Uh, Louis Vuitton football mouthpiece. Uh, mouthpiece guy, custom fit. Oh, says no products are found. But you can get those for like not a lot of money. I don't think, man. Um. So I know people were talking about it quite a bit. But the the Louis Vuitton stuff, I mean, you can get that stuff for very, very cheap online. And you can get, trust me, that that wasn't like like a real piece of Louis he was uh he was rocking. Um Slippin' Jimmy, 
at Jim4023957. He asked, are you supposed to tip on a carryout order? No. Absolutely not. I don't. I don't. Shoot. I don't unless they went like above and beyond and did some stuff that like was more than what I asked for. That is the only way I'll even consider tipping on a carryout order. Um, I kind of find that, find the same thing with, you know, if someone were to bag your groceries at Meijer, I asked the same question to uh, Twitter, like 95% said, no, you don't tip. Um, so yeah, like, no, absolutely not. Simon is talking from Simon. How long do you think Harbaugh lets the Gattis experiment go before he takes back the keys? Um, you know, we're only three games in. There are, there's actually some decent film out there. Um, there's decent film out there showing guys being open. And, you know, if you hit certain routes. So I'm pretty sure Gattis is showing that. The issue is, you know, what is Gaddis teaching the quarterbacks how to read certain guys based on what the DB is doing? And this is how you do this. If this guy goes here, this guy's going to be open. I just think it's the development of getting our quarterbacks to see two steps ahead, like a point guard in basketball or really good passers in basketball. You're a good passer in basketball if you can see one or two steps ahead of the defense. You're a really good quarterback when you can see one or two steps ahead of the defense. And I think that's the disconnect. I don't think we're one or two steps ahead. We're on the same time frame, the same the same time graph, the same timeline as everyone else on the football field. The quarterback has to be ahead of the game in order to be very successful. And that's just not happening right now. Robert, 35 Robert. Oh, I just lost it. Uh, okay, yeah. 35 Robert 16. Is the locker room split? How do you fix it? Funny you say this. I do think that there is some splitting going on with the locker room. Um, and I say that because there's rumors going around, and I think there's a lot to it, where guys um, guys aren't practicing hard. Uh, one of the players reached out to the NFL and said, hey, if I were to sit out, will that impact my, my uh, draft stock? I don't think guys are 100% bought in right now, and that's a huge issue. That's a huge problem. And these are key guys who are doing these things. So I think they're split. How do you fix it? Guys have got to buy in. There's got to, you know, someone's got to, someone's got to be a leader and fight for this season and fight for this team for everyone to be on the same page or they just got to they just got to get the hell out honestly um you can't be split especially in when a football team is already naturally split like there's really two teams on a football team there's the defense then there's the offense um two very you no know, those are two teams but within those teams you can't have a split within them cuz then Nobody's on the same page. Um, advocate. Uh, at Advocate, three two five 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 two three two. Where are the cornerbacks and defensive tackles in the recruiting cycle? I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I touched on that er, uh, 
earlier how we're just not getting the guys. Um, we're just not getting the guys that we need. And I have to say something else too. When when Michigan is recruiting at a high level, when they're recruiting top 10, top 15, that's one thing you should look at. The next thing you should look at, okay, in these top 10 to 15, who are who are the guys coming in and what's their position? Will they help us right away? Like if we have a bunch of four stars and a five star who is pumping up our ranking, but those are positions that are being held by third-year players, like do we really like yeah, it's cool that we have this national ranking, but on the other side, like okay, how are they going to plug into positions that we need? Like like where are our running backs? Where are our running backs, bro? We've had our running backs come in and then bounce. Um, we said no to Eno Benjamin and Dylan for Kurt Taylor and Amari Samuels. I mean, it's it's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. You gotta fill the need, fill the need before you're looking at the stars. Like if someone commits and you're hype about a five star. That's cool. But then come back to earth and look at that five-star and say, okay, where does he plug in? You know, if we get another five-star safety, all right, we already had a – we have Dax Hill already. He's going to play a lot moving forward. We're going to have an, another four- or five-star safety coming in. Like, yeah, he bumps our recruiting ranking, but, you know, how effective is he going to be on the team? Like, really, you know, just, you know, way too much star-seeking. We got to find more purpose, like recruit for purpose, uh, if, that, if that makes sense. If it doesn't, let me know. AK47 underscore 80, AK47 underscore 80 asks, bigger finesse guy, Josh Smith or Josh Gaddis? Um, Josh Gaddis, way bigger finesse guy. You know, Josh Smith, he was one of, you know, he was one of the, you know, top, top, uh, seniors coming out of high school, came out, won the, won the uh, dunk contest. He was really good for Atlanta. And then he, he bounced around, um, Gaddis, he's never called to play. And then all of a sudden he's going to get paid $900,000 to run an offense for the very first time at the university of Michigan. That is a heck of a finesse. I hope he figures it out, but all these growing pains should have happened at, like, I don't know, like an FCS school, like South Dakota State or something, not Michigan. <coughs> Matt Cox, Matt Cox 26 through three games. How do you see this impacting recruiting for the remainder of the 2020 class in 2021? It's so weird. That is a great question. That is a great question. It's weird because kids, it's, it's almost a positive being down or being up. It doesn't matter. <coughs> if you're up, you can sell being a part of a great program and you can sell, you know, we can win championships and you could be a part of this and you could join the greats doing this. 
On the other end, you can be on, you could be, have a down year, and as a coach, you can sell, say, hey, look, we're trying to win championships. We struggled this year. Look, you have an opportunity to play right away. So either way, either way, it doesn't matter because you can sell you can sell from both angles. One angle being be a part of something special. The other angle being, hey, we're down right now. We need your help. You'll play right away probably as a as a true freshman, as a redshirt freshman as at the latest. But you'll be on the field right away. So you can sell it either way. So that's um, if you recruit the right way, that can either be you can like it doesn't matter where you are, especially if you're at a place like Michigan where you have a track record of being right there. Now, if you're at like a lower school like in Illinois, I mean, come on, I mean, you can't really sell them on anything like that. But a school like Michigan, you know, they're you know people are hip to who Michigan is. We're always in the mouths of everyone, whether they're good or bad. You're in everyone's mouth. Um, let's see. And we have, who was that? That was, sorry, I lost it here. Matt Cox, so now to Ryan Miller. Okay, Ryan Miller, albino underscore rhino. If Michigan loses to Rutgers, should Harbaugh be fired on the spot? Um, No, no. I don't think I don't think he should. I don't think he will. I don't think Harbaugh is going to be fired anytime soon, just based on what Ward Manuel has said when it comes to um, the revenue that he brings. The only way that he will even be close to getting fired is if revenue starts to either flatten or drop. Then he will look to be replaced. Because you either got to do, do two things, make the school money, win big games. If you could do both, everyone wins. If you still make the school money but don't win games, you're still getting the bottom line for why you were hired, which troubles me. But no, he won't be fired on the spot. But Twitter would be an absolute chaotic place, and I live for it. Um, Richard, everyone's favorite, you miss Wolverine one. Why do you think Michigan fans think it's Harbaugh or failure? A lot of fans seem to think if Harbaugh isn't coaching the the team, they'd be a five and seven team every season. They think it's Harbaugh or failure uh, because they're afraid of they're afraid of the rich rod. They're not looking at it as being. You know, taking a chance to become great. They're seeing it taking a chance to become even a bigger joke. And that's not a chance that a lot of people are willing to take, unfortunately. And um, that's kind of where they are with that. Um, I do think that there are coaches out there that can get it done. I think, I still think Harbaugh can, can, get, can, uh, can get it done if he gets... He just needs to just just he needs to just get the guys right and get it together and like all this is coach speak and cliche, but the culture is so jacked up right now. Like it could just be a Michigan thing where the culture is just so jacked up and in such a free fall 
they need a big win just to start turning it around. Like Michigan basketball. Two games turned John Beeline around. Um, well, two, well, I'll say three games. In 2009, or 2008, 2009, uh, UCLA and Duke. That turned around the basketball program. And then Stuart Douglas's shot at Michigan State turned around the program to win that game. That's what Michigan needs. Michigan needs one of those games for guys to believe. And from there, it's like, okay, it's not a Michigan thing. It's a us thing. If we good, we have the chance to do something very, very special. I think that's the problem. It's a, it's a Michigan thing. And they need a Stu Douglas, right? They need a Stu Douglas. They had a Stu Douglas opportunity in 2016 at Ohio State where if on third and, what is it, 15, that crazy scramble, you hit him in the backfield. Now it's fourth and like 20. They have to either, they have to like, you know, that's, you know, it's 4th to 20, that's probably game. You get one more stop, that's probably game. Um, you know, they need a Stu Douglas moment, man. They need one. They need one Stu Douglas moment. Fake name guy, Lake Monster 62. In your opinion, what needs to be done to keep Michigan from becoming the Disney Star Wars of college football? Disney Star Wars. I've never really seen Star Wars, but I'm guessing... I'm guessing. I'm going to wait till you guys stop exasperating and gasping and all that stuff. I'm sorry. I'm not a Star Wars person. I'm not a Star Trek guy. That's just not me. But I'm guessing what that means is Star Wars was once good, but now it's a joke that it's become that like Disney got it and just ruined it. Um, What needs to be done to keep them from getting to that point? I just said it. They need a Stu Douglas moment. Stu Douglas at Michigan State moment. If you, don't, if you don't know what that is, let me know, and I will post the clip t- to you. It was a two-point game, late shot clock, like 30 seconds left. Stu Douglas on the wing, pops a three, up by four or five, game over. And then they keep going all the way through, and they, they get like an eight or nine seed. They beat the brakes off of, I think, Tennessee, lose to, lose to Duke with the last-second floater, um, from Darius Morris, but that's okay because they have their moment. They know that they're ready to go. They had a great summer, won the Big Ten the next year. JG, Mason Blue, Mason Blued. Why are Michigan fans so pathetic? Um, spoiled? Uh, we're very, very spoiled. Very, very spoiled with greatness. Very spoiled with great things. The media continuously reminds us uh, how spoiled we are, and they love it when Michigan loses. Um, love it when Michigan loses because they get all the clicks, and they talk a bunch of junk, and they get all the clicks because a lot of people hate Michigan. Like Just the way that people hate Duke basketball, they hate Michigan football. They hate it because they think you know spoiled and better than they are. You know, we think that they're better than they are, which, you know, is true at times. Um, but... It all comes with the territory of being a part of a great, a great tradition and a great program. 
Um, some teams will love to have that. Some teams don't have that, and the fans are pathetic because they don't go to games and they just they're like, oh, okay, they're playing, oh, okay. Let me know what the score is, honey. Like, they're not watching the, the games. They're not getting into it. They, they don't have watch parties and all these things. So um, the more that's given, the more is that expected. So Michigan fans expect greatness. But that's why we're so, quote-unquote, pathetic is because um, there's so much tradition and there's so much on the line, it, it feels like. Uh, a lot of a lot of great great questions. A lot of questions too. I don't I don't go through these. Like I I open this up when it's pod time. And as you guys know, I don't edit anything. I just go through it. I may add a little bit of music here and there and there, but um, I go right through all these. Scott Scott Nasir two. Um, let's get Joe Milton's Heisman campaign started Saturday. Maybe. Um, I put on Twitter that, like, you know, hey, give him the ball. If McCaffrey can't go and Shea is super banged up with his oblique, and, you know, and, man, whoo, it brought out it brought out some wild people from uh, Fedville. Goodness gracious. Like, no reading comprehension whatsoever. And slow people are the absolute worst. Like, goodness. Like, do you want me to read it out to you slowly for you? Like, I'm not sitting here standing and I'm just like, ooh, yeah, let's go. Put in my boot. Put in my boy Joe Milda. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm not standing. Like, I'm not sitting here with my Milton pom-poms. All I'm saying is that you have your QB2 is out more than likely. Your QB1 has been battling an injury. He needs to get in a flow with the offense so bad, a flow with the offensive line so bad. At the same time, if he's hurt and he is really limited in this game, you know, and you can't win with, you can't beat Rutgers with Joe Milton, you have more problems than anything else. So, um, high the campaign started on Saturday. Shay's probably gonna get get the rock, um, but you know Joe was gonna be ready if his numbers called. M go Chris, ND Chris twelve. Funniest moment you ever had with with Beeline. Funniest moment. It's been so long, man. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm like the funniest maybe is gonna be. Well, I think I've told this before, told this story before, but after practice, Beeline comes in and then he goes, hey, tomorrow we're going to have practice from this time to this time. And then we're going to and then we're going to fly commercial with Northwest. And for some reason, I just yelled like commercial, like like that's below me. Like I, I don't know why I yelled that in front of everyone, but I just yelled commercial. Like what? And like my face like squinted up and then he was like, Are you kidding me right now? You guys are so spoiled and he was going off, but that was a funny time. Usually we take like the Pistons plane, we take like the Red Wings plane. 
Um, we took, we take like these chartered planes. Like every seat is like super big and every seat has the crazy leg room. Um, all the Gatorades you can drink. I mean, all the pretzels and chips you want. I mean, those are some of the best flights ever. I'm not going to lie. You get to just chill and talk with your boys. But then he was like, I was like, I was like, commercial? Like, what are you talking about? And so he kind of went off, but that's probably my favorite part. Alex Hartley, uh, heartless underscore. What is the number one thing this team needs to work on? There are issues across the board, but what do you see as the fix that will yield the best returns on the field? Number one thing that needs to be, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things that has to be worked on, man. But I think defensively, I think defensively, they need to get their defensive line stuff situated um, or they're going to get, they're going to get blasted and the offense isn't to the point where they can withstand a shootout right now. So, yeah, 100% has got to be getting the defensive line in order. And I'm not saying play Hinton or Maisie, but there's got to be a better option somewhere in that 300-man roster where you can find, you know, you recruit at too high of a level to not find guys who can who can be on the line. You got to fix fix that for sure. Bam, Bam Grodel, at Bam Grodel. Uh, what do you want the QB situation to look like the rest of the of the year? Stick with Shea, start DMAC when he's back, go with Milton. What do you think should happen there? Um, stick, you know, stick with stick with Shea. You know, you 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 have to stick stick with Shea right now. Um, McCaffrey didn't come in and light the world on fire, so he didn't earn the opportunity to to you know to uh, take that spot over as the QB1. Um, Milton hasn't had an opportunity at all. So it should be the same. It should be Shea, then McCaffrey, and then Milton. And people are going to say, well, Shea sucks. I'm like, like oh, oh. I mean, okay, if you say that he sucks, then what is McCaffrey and Milton? Like, you can't, like, like I know you want Joe Montana to like come out and play for Michigan, but there's a real disconnect going on with Gaddis and whatever he wants to do. It seems like he has a bunch of suggestions and zero decisions because it's his first time doing it. Scam artist Josh, man. All right, Jared Biker Boak or Balk? Not sure how to pronounce that. B o u c k. That November guy. Asked, do you think there's any legitimacy to the Harbaugh Alzheimer's rumor going around? I haven't, I haven't heard, I haven't heard of that. Uh, I do think, I do think it's something else though. Um, I'm not going to get into detail because I'm not in a position to go into a detail about it. But uh, I have spoken to um, a couple of people, and um, a lot of agreed on what my on you know, this idea that I've been having for a while. But I don't think it's that. I think it is something else, though. But I'm not, I'm not at liberty to talk talk about that quite yet. I hope it comes out at some point so I can talk about it. Um, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. 
All right, Cameron Gordon, C Morgan two twenty, asked. Also, do you expect this offense to take shape for the next few games, considering they're easy games, or will it be the same? I mean, next few games aren't easy. I mean, there's, there's, like it's Rutgers, ranked Iowa, Illinois, then ranked at Penn State or something, and then it's, and then it's Notre Dame, I believe. Hold on, let me let me check the uh, football schedule right quick. I think that's it. Like I said, like I read these right off the bat. I don't. I'm not a fan of going in reading and then knowing how I'm going to answer everyone. I don't. I don't think that's very genuine. Um. NCAA. Let's go with Michigan schedule. Yep, that is it. Rutgers ranked Iowa, Illinois ranked Penn State, ranked Notre Dame, once ranked Maryland, then ranked Michigan State, Indiana, then ranked Ohio State. That is a heck of a woo. Jeez. Um, next few games are against two ranked teams. And one is Brandon Peters, then you have Rutgers. I don't think these are easy at all. Um, that's why I don't have them covering the spread versus Rutgers. I think they beat them like 34 to 10 or something like that. I hope it all clicks and they just, man, they just come out, just destroy. But they don't really have, they don't have back-to-back games where they're facing like two below average teams like there's like they will always have a game it's either going to be ranked this week or ranked next week there's no other game that Michigan will play where it's like that there will not be two non-ranked games in a row unless Michigan State um, ends up losing here again Um, then there'll be one later on but you got Rutgers ranked team Illinois, ranked, ranked. Maryland, ranked. Indiana, ranked. So you can't hide, man. That's why I said seven and five, because the schedule is not going to let Michigan to kind of like get into any type of flow with multiple games. That was wasted earlier on with uh, Middle Tennessee and Army. Nathan Bauer, Bauer H. Nathan. While I've been alive, UM is three and seventeen against Ohio State. Can we even call this a rivalry? Uh, not in social media age. I mean, it's a rivalry because the guys, because the two teams hate each other. Um, and it can turn. It can turn uh, because it was like that before. It was before the last twenty games. Like it was Michigan's turn. Like they just gotta flip it again. You know which sucks because Ohio State has been humming, humming for a while now, and it's kind of getting on my nerves because he looks good. They look good, good, good right now. Joshua Schultz, J. Schultz 05, with Kansas facing a possible postseason ban, any thoughts of Jalen Wilson decommitting? It is too late for that. They have practice already. It is too late. If you leave now, you are going to go somewhere and sit for the year. Or you could leave now and go overseas and get ready for the NBA draft. That's really all the choices that you have. It's too late. Scott Christensen, Scott Christensen 6, asked, 
Said, enjoying the pod, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Any sense of Michigan will look to play with more pace this year under Howard after grinding it out under Beeline. Um, more pace. He is a defensive coach. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It seems like also they're going to be a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit bigger lineups as well, too. That usually doesn't say that it's going to be a faster pace. So... I think the pace is going to be very, very similar. They may look to get out and break more, more secondary break, and all that, and um, and get up points. But Howard is a is a he's a very defensive guy, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, as I get more information, is it? I'll I'll share what I can share, not anything crazy. Also, is Rocker Watts le- so legit for MSU that he possibly eats into Winston's production? Rocket Watts is very, very legit. He's not going to eat into the player of the year of college basketball. I think it's going to allow Winston to kind of rest a little bit more, but eat into his production? No. No, I don't think so. Um, No. No, 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 no. If anyone should be worried, it should be Foster Lawyer. That dude may not play again. Uh, Jeremy Emerson. Emerson underscore Jeremy. Is there any way that they could switch to an I formation for short yards and actually use RBs to run the ball with fullback paving the way? I just don't see us getting the yards from shotgun in those situations. It's a brand new offense. They don't have a fullback really anymore. Like, And they're not just going to abandon it. If you abandon it now, no one's going to trust the offense. They're going to think these guys don't know what the heck they're talking about. If they want to switch over the offseason, that's something else. But switching when you're only three games in is showing that, you know, you really don't have confidence in what in what you're teaching and what you're saying, and that just wouldn't be a, a good thing. Uh, assistant coach B. Dowdy, B. Dowdy 10, who are your favorite slash least favorite basketball players to watch and why? Uh, I enjoy watching Steph Curry. Um, I enjoy watching anyone who doesn't depend on their athleticism to get things done. Like, I don't really enjoy watching Giannis, Giannis play. Um, and I say this because I always enjoy watching someone who you can teach the game to a younger child and they will benefit from it. You can't really teach kids how to play like Russell Westbrook or Giannis, because their games are not very polished. They're very, very raw. Um, any games that don't really translate to kids, I'm just not a fan of watching. I don't know why, but I'm just not a fan. Uh, Cameron Gordon, C. Morgan, 220. Why does our game plan seem to revolve around Ronnie Bell? He's been great. I'm not saying otherwise, but I don't understand why we don't use all of our great receivers. I just think that's where the quarterback's eyes go to every single time, because... Probably one of the only ones getting open, and he's right in his face. Um, whether it's the hot route, I'm not sure. But it just seems that like they're going to pass to the first guy that they see open, and a lot of times that's Ronnie Bell because he's not taking these long these long trips down the field. He's usually doing the, uh, the much shorter routes. Um fudge underscore msu you pride yourself on being a free thinker so i'm curious to hear your unbiased opinion on urban meyer as a person and a coach bonus would you support him at u of m if he wasn't at osu before um i'm all for i'm all for you know michigan hiring good coaches um yes urban urban meyer is a good coach he's had some questionable hires at assistant but Overall, he's a very good coach. Um, 
if he was at U of M, bef- you know, if he wasn't at OSU before and he was at Michigan, like, I probably, you know, I probably would. But him being at Ohio State for so long and so successful, he's he's an Ohio State guy. Um, you know, you, I don't know. That just doesn't come off right. Uh, Michigan Sports, the maze page. Who was your favorite Michigan alum and why? Outside of myself, um, outside of myself, I would have to say, huh? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Really good, good question. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of good dudes. Um, I do look look up to the way that Charles Woodson carries himself. Unlike others who graduated from Michigan who are kind of kind of out there and kind of lost themselves along the way, Charles Woodson has done a really nice job in his post career in terms of how he carries himself when it comes to Michigan and how he you know kind of carries himself as a person. Then we have sucker free Mason bully your thoughts on Jay Harbaugh uh don't have much thoughts. Really don't have much thoughts. Um, a little bit of nepotism, which there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with nepotism. But at the same time, you have to make sure that he's, uh, that he's doing his job in terms of, um, in terms of helping guys succeed. It's if he's been on the forefront of recruiting running backs, he's done. Uh, outside of Charbonnet, he's done a pretty doo doo job. And he needs to do a better job with that, of recognizing running back talent. Um, hit the home run with Charbonnet, but outside of him, I mean, there's no, no reason why the depth chart looks the way it does from the running back position. Josh Young, Mr. J.D.H. Young, why can't we have nice things? We can have nice things. We can have nice things. Um, and we're a bit spoiled because of that. But... um We'll be okay. We'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Michigan will be fine. Michigan will be fine. Midge album, Chat Wolverines. Is the rumor about Yoder being a CIA agent and tapping Harbaugh's phone line true? No. No. That is not true. Not at all whatsoever. I already said my you know two cents about... Uh, about Yoder. I mean, you can like it, you can hate it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to give my, you know, true thoughts on things. Um, and I, and I, I also want to say, I believe um, it was either him or it was Bacon who came out. He was one of the first ones to come out and talk about the uh, Jim Harbaugh to Michigan story, and I believe his page got like two or three million hits because of it. Um, but it is what it is. So you could say whatever you like. Like if you don't agree when I'm t- with what I'm saying, I mean, please let me know because I engage with everyone. Like I have a very, I have a very open, very open page. I will talk to anyone about pretty much anything. Um, I think Gaddis needs to do a better job in terms of alleviating pressure. If anything, 
if anything, you know, you got to alleviate some of this pressure. So, you know, Shea's not getting lit up and then doing freaking laterals to John Runyon. I mean, come on, that was really embarrassing. Um, whether it's, you know, you know, you know, dunks to the RB, having the defensive line overcommit, and you're doing, you know, tunnel screens and bubbles and quick slants. I mean, something to alleviate some of this pressure. Something. You got to help out the quarterbacks, whether it's Shea, McCaffrey, or Milton. You can't have them running for their life the entire time. You can't have them sitting back there. I mean, even shorten some of the routes. I mean, shorten some of the routes, quicker routes, you know, just just so they can get confidence. You see Shea or McCaffrey, they go down. They're, they're you know, hitting their guys, you know, quick this, quick here, quick there. That's just going to help confidence throughout the team, not only with them. So this has been pretty sure this has been my longest pod uh, by far. It really wasn't supposed to go this long, uh, but my conversation with uh, Aaron, I didn't think it was going to go over 40 minutes, but we had some you know great stuff to talk about and, and go over. But as you guys know, you can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Spotify, Chatbox. You can find me on Stitcher. Any, like any and every podcast application out there you can find my stuff please like please subscribe please let me know what you think about the pod if you have any suggestions please let me know if you don't like the way it sounds please let me know so i can fix it on my end um follow me on it's aunt right on twitter peace The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started. At Simple Mobile, you get the no contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. Simple Mobile is different. You can get a powerful nationwide 5G network all without a contract. It's the reliability you need when you need it, with no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. 5G-capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speeds not yet available.